everyone. Welcome to another episode of Opposites React. It is Wednesday, February 3rd, uh, episode 54. I am Sarah and I am here with Tyler. How are you? Doing pretty good, thank you. That is wonderful. Um, I don't know what you want to start out with this week. Well, I want to take a sip of my coffee here, so why don't you start by talking oh. about the game you beat recently? I did. I beat right. a game. So I mentioned last week that I started Near Automata. It might have been two weeks ago I mentioned it. So I did. I finished it yesterday. Um, and I did mention also that you have to beat it multiple times to to complete the game, I would say. And there's like five endings, I think, in total. So I finished them all. Um I don't, okay, I, you have to kind of play it fully through three times. So you play it the one time as the main character and you're like, okay, this is fun. Like stories going places. I played it on easy. So I felt like awesome all the time and it was good. It was, it was very fun. Second playthrough, you're almost playing through the exact same thing, except with your partner character. And it's like, this is still good. This is, I'm just, I'm getting snippets of new information here and there. Uh, and then you do the third playthrough and you're a totally different character and it kind of, grinds to a halt it kind of just becomes um way more battling than it does story progression and it just kind of feels like padding at that point like it's just trying to give you another 10 hours of fighting enemies and it's just like i didn't feel like i was superhuman anymore like i was destroying everything i kind of just felt bored <laughs> so i i think the story was still worth playing through it's um it's very heavy on biblical allegory for sure like literal characters named adam and eve so you know where it's going um but the action was is still fun like i did enjoy the second playthrough adding the hacking mini game and stuff like that but all in all i rated it like a three out of five kind of thing where it didn't it didn't hold me to the end like at the end i was i was ready to be done um but i think it's like a they have the sequel coming out this year and i wouldn't be in a hurry to pick it up kind of thing so I, will, I can wait on that. I'm a little burnt out on action games right now. So yesterday I uh, started a nice... Sometimes you just need a, like an anime game. Sometimes you just do. You need. Uh, you, a, you do. Okay, yeah. sometimes I need an anime game. Like a slice of life, like just fun time. So I started Atelier Rise of One, um, Ever Darkness, and The Secret Hideout. I think I got the subtitle right. Tyler is rolling his eyes at me. But <laughs> no, I saw all your games have to have like eight subtitles. That's all. Uh, you Did you see the near title? It's like, I don't even know, 10 numbers in a row with dots in places. I don't even know. But uh, yeah, I just started it. It's, I don't know if I've ever really explained the Atelier series on here. It's just really, you're going around, picking up items. Tyler, it's just so fun. Like you're just building your own materials. You're going out and you're just patting little blobs on the head and beating them and it's fun just nice it's just so airy and like slow paced and just chill and that felt like the right game to go to after super fast paced near so yeah that is my gaming adventure corner block thing all right well let's talk about my stuff now because i did probably the opposite of chill yesterday yeah yesterday was maybe five or six hours of the new season of apex season eight you can tell day one was yesterday yeah it was actually a pretty good day, though. Uh, I think I played 40 games in total. Uh, I didn't even have intend to have it be like a nice even number. Like it just ended up that way. But 40 games, uh, four wins. So pretty good winning percentage. I'll take that, especially yeah, for day one. Yeah. Sure. And all those games, all 40 I played yesterday were all in ranked. 
Uh, I didn't play public. I played ranked matches oh, the whole time. So what did you get up to? Uh, well, I was all I, I got reset all the way back to the beginning, which yep. was bronze four. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got up to silver two last night. Okay, that's so, decent. Yeah, yeah. good progress. I, I, probably tonight I'll get up to hopefully I'll get up to gold four tonight, mm-hmm. and then uh, then the real grind starts from there. Yeah, that's when the lobby start getting a little more sweaty. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I really love the new the. No, I keep saying new map, but it, it's Kings redesigned. Canyon redesigned, yeah. like version three, I guess you can call it. Um, but it's really good. I like the changes they made. They definitely opened up a lot of the map in the northern part. Um, they changed some other small changes too. Like some parts of the map, they just took out like a random building here, random building there, created some more tunnels and canyons. So it's pretty okay. cool. Um, yeah, there's new characters, a new gun. Mm-hmm. Got to try both out yesterday. The new character I only played a couple of matches yeah. with Fuse, but um, he seems cool. I need more time with him, as I do with most new characters. Um, but I watch a lot of YouTube videos of other people playing him mm. that are better than me and. Uh, I'm like, yeah, he's pretty good, actually. He's pretty overpowered, I think. As Yeah, Horizon as, as, was, too, when she yeah. came out. And right. the, only, the, only one who's, the only legend who keeps getting shafted so much is Rampart. She's kind of useless. I know. Like, I feel nobody uses her. No. Even people are actually annoyed. It's been like, how long has Loba been out for now? Three seasons? Right before Rampart. Or, so four seasons. This will be her fourth season, yeah. Loba. And her tactical is still broken. The bracelet throw thing yeah. doesn't work half the time. Oh, it just really? Won't, like, you'll throw it and... To think like you're gonna warp onto a yeah. rooftop or just warping out of a battle, and it just like teleports back to you. Like, nope, sorry, you can't do it. Oh, like, unfortunate. Like okay. it, used be, it used to be too. Like the devs were hyping it up a couple seasons ago when they were saying like you could throw her bracelet like through a window and get a jump on a team, like almost like teleporting yeah. behind them. You can't. You try to throw it through a window, it just bounces back at you. So I don't. Oh. know. it's a weird thing that they haven't been able to fix for some reason. But I wonder um, if the map now won't help that either because it's not really made for that. I, honestly, I, it's funny. I played a few games yesterday with Caustic, mm-hmm. and I. In, in certain situations, obviously, you can be very, like, very in bunker or any other enclosed area, obviously. But when you're out, King's Canyon is so open. A lot of areas are. Yeah. Like when you're just running like from point A to point B. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm running out there with, with my friends yesterday. I was playing and I'm like, I just feel like I'm going to get sniped in the head any second. Mm-hmm. I'm just a big fat guy running across the field <laughs> with no way to take At least with Gibby, you can throw a bubble down. I hope you were wearing or... a clown outfit or something just to yeah, be like no, a I... target. The only funny thing, though, was I was, so I was playing with Andrew yesterday. And uh, so I, I have the caustic... Um, heirloom the yeah. gas oh, hammer thing yeah, yeah, huge yeah. sledgehammer yeah. and at one point andrew was looting uh, a random bin i came up behind and smoked him in the head with a hammer and like it doesn't hurt him all she's no. on friendly fire but it, the sound it makes he's like dude like i almost like pee my pants <laughs> like you scared the heck out of me <laughs> thought he got like, demolished by something so wow. the hammer smacked in the head but um but yeah no it was really good and uh i'm not gonna talk about effects too much but that's one other big announcement um is that they finally revealed the release date now for MLB The Show 21. Mm-hmm. It is confirmed to come out on April 20th, mm-hmm. which is good news. It's a little sad because it's not going to yeah. be right when the season starts, but I understand there probably had to be some delays taken here because of you know COVID precautions, and, and they're maybe a little behind on, the, on where they want to fine-tune because they always do release. The first product is always very polished. It, it, yes. Out of the gate, with some maybe with some minor server issues mm-hmm. uh, the first uh, week or so, but the game usually plays pretty well. But then they start tinkering around. Once they get feedback, yeah, uh, they tinker around with the hitting and the pitching and the fielding mm-hmm. and stuff. So there's a lot. There was a lot of fielding issues at the beginning of last season that they they fixed pretty quickly, thankfully. But um, but that's not the release date for you. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I found out today that I keep saying all, all the time. I was telling Sarah and I told a couple other people this too that I was going to buy just the standard edition this mm-hmm. year because I mean obviously on PS5 now games are a bit more expensive. So for us in Canada here, it's eighty nine ninety nine I believe plus mm-hmm. tax for the standard edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was gonna, I was okay to buy that. I'm like, I don't need the extra packs this year. I don't need the extra stubs. You you, you accumulate that stuff pretty quickly anyway, mm-hmm. right? 
But then I look at the, because today was the first day they actually revealed the contents of the digital deluxe edition, right. which is basically what I expected. It's, you know, get a couple of diamond packs, get mm-hmm. a bunch of gold packs, like, yada, yeah, yada. Don't need that. Exactly. Oh, four days early access. I'm like, you son of a, I'm like, I, I, yeah, it's only four days, but it would kill me to see people online playing it before me. <laughs> so now I got to pony up like 125 bucks or whatever it is to play the early edition. But I'm fine with it. I'm at peace with it. <laughs> you knew this. You was just coming. know. You just know. So what? So if it's four days before, then obviously that means April sixth. Yeah, sixteenth. Yeah. yeah, April sixteenth. Definitely booking that day off for Yeah, we all know. We all know. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, we knew that was a write off. Yeah, I mean, I took half of the day off yesterday to play yeah. Apex. So. Yeah, um, which most of the time was spent you downloading the patch. Uh, an hour for the update was <laughs> yeah. killing me. I'm like, what am I gonna do? Sit in bed and read a book? He did. He sat in bed like and read a, a caveman. Book. What is this? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, it was good. Um. Anyways, that's all I got to say. Uh, maybe the only other gaming thing I would mention that I... I don't think you watched it, but I did mention no, it to No, because I want to play it myself. Oh, what I don't know. know. Okay, oh. never mind. I thought you were going to talk about what you're playing with Lucas. No, no, no. Uh, I was going to say the uh, Mass Effect... What's oh, it called? Legendary. Um, Legendary Edition yeah. trailer came out. I it didn't looks, watch that, no. It looks pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to play through that trilogy again, not having to plug in a PS3. Mm-hmm. So that's... A, yeah. And actually bring my Commander Shepard female through the whole series rather than starting a new one in three, which really was disjointed. So, yeah. Um, I kind of already told you earlier what the topics, main topic is going to be. You? Yeah, give you a little bit of a heads up. Uh, so, how, how rare. this is going to be, I'm going to try and make this a consistent series throughout the year. And I'm not going to say every week, obviously, maybe every other week or twice a month if there happens to be five weeks in a month or something. But, um, but uh, yeah, the topic for so. I was talking about this with you earlier. It's going to be a movie topic just to get this out of the yep. way. So for anybody who doesn't like movies, you can probably skip to the end of the podcast right <laughs> now because we're not going to be talking about anything else pretty much. But um, it's pretty much widely known that 2007, at least for the last like 20 years or so, 2007 was like one of the best years for film. Mm-hmm. There's just so many good films and good performances that year. It was almost impossible to pick like, Oscar winners that year. Um, but I was looking back at the year before, uh, 2006 and it was actually a really 2006 was pretty solid like obviously being uh succeeded by 2007 yeah. didn't do 2006 any favors but yeah if i look back at, at the last like couple decades i'd say 06 was actually a really solid year too and i have a list of titles here a lot of titles that are like high profile like you know titles people are going to know once i mention them mm-hmm. like i've seen those far i've heard of them before and then a few of the titles i found here that i find i think are like hidden gems okay. that i really like that maybe most people haven't heard of or seen before so i want to mention those too I know you have a couple of your own that aren't on my list, so we can... You know, you scoffed at them. Well, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I don't, again, I don't have these in any particular order. It's it's not alphabetical. It's not ranked. It's sort of just as I, like in my head, I was thinking, I know some of these for sure, 06 films. I had to look up a few others just mm-hmm. to make sure, but so here's my current list. So, and I'm just going to give a very brief description of why I like each one and why I think they're great films. So basically, uh, yeah, so in a particular order... Um, so 2006, uh, we had Casino Royale, the first uh, yeah. Daniel Craig, James Bond film, mm-hmm. which was great because for people like me who really love Bond films, coming off the previous Bond film, which was Pierce Brosnan's last one called Die Another Day, it was a horrible film. Great what? song, though. Pretty good song. <laughs> um, and I love Pierce Brosnan. It was not his fault the movie sucked. He had nothing to work with. Mm-hmm. He still gave his best, but terrible villain. Halle Berry is a Bond girl. No. I mean, yeah, Halle Berry. Well, know, like, well, yeah. Now, I think Halle Berry is a better um, John Wick girl than 
I still think I think she's a terrible actress, and her hamming oh. it up, her hamming it up in the bottom films didn't do any didn't do her any favors. I will agree, I really liked her in the third John Wick mm-hmm. film, but again, even then, she only had like a ten minute role, so it's sort of like in and out. I know, no, no, she was good at the fight scene. I agree, but when I think of Halle Berry, I just think okay, X Men, yeah, and sure. I don't know, I don't know what else really stands out in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Like that terrible Catwoman film she did. But we're oh, not talking about that. I watching that. Um, oh, yeah. But anyway, so Casino Royale, though, great. Because, I mean, like I said, I've already probably talked about it before, at least briefly. I've never done like a deep dive on Casino Royale. But it was, obviously, it, it still is, in my opinion, Craig's best Bond film. Oh, that by has been, has been topped. Yeah. Um, great villain. Great. I mean, again, the, the director, Martin Campbell, same guy who did Goldeneye, which right. I also loved. So he's two a really good, Bond two best Bond literally. films, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, Casino Royale was great. Like I said, definitely brought Bond back on the, put, put him back on the map. It got him back on the trend of like, like I think the last couple of Bond films made over a billion worldwide. Yeah. Sooner Royale wasn't that big because again, it was sort of like getting people back into yeah. it, but it definitely got the train going again on like, oh, Bond's cool again. So you can't mm, stop uh, talking about this movie until you tell your we favorite need, part. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Because it. Yes. Okay. Fine. Best Bond girl. Let me say it's the best Bond girl ever, for sure. <laughs> it's your Not only because she's amazingly beautiful, but just because. No, her character was amazing though. Because most oh, no. Bond films She's do not, great. most Bond films do not have well-written female characters. For sure, She's the, the, the early ones. Actually, I will give some credit to Goldeneye because they actually did have two strong female characters. You had the one. Well, one's an enemy. Right, but that's what I mean. One was yeah. good and one was bad. So yeah. that was cool to see because usually they're just there for Bond to have, for sure. to sleep with. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. But at least in the old like Connery and Moore sure. films. Um. But yeah, like in this one, it was like Bond had like. Someone who can keep up with them intellectually yeah. and like, but like an actual relationship. Yeah, exactly. Like they did a really good job developing that relationship between him and Vesper. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, the crux of the rest of the Bond, like the Craig films, though, yep. ride on that relationship. So you had to believe. And they kind of milk. They kind of milk it. I under, I I do appreciate that Quantum of Solace was like a direct follow up. Yes. That was good, but they didn't really need to. Like when I when they kind of mentioned her getting Spectre, I was yeah. like, okay, I, like we can move on from Best for now. It's been like four <laughs> films, like. <laughs> But uh, yeah, okay. It's been way more time with Cena Royale than I expected to. So next one on the list. Um, been, you have been like Bond list because it keeps getting pushed. I know. And you're a sad it's Bond person, so you have to talk yeah. about it. It's due. Uh, next one on the list. Uh, Inside Man. Remember that one? That's um, Denzel. Denzel stars in it. Yeah, it's Spike Lee directed it. Uh, it's by got Denzel Washington. You got Clive Owen, um, Willem Dafoe. That's um, Clive Owen was the bank Oh yeah. You know I'm a shoot 'em up guy. Okay. I'm not sure where most people know him from, but he's <laughs> okay. not he's not in much anymore. But back in the mid 2000s, he was in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Clive Owen, British actor. But uh, anyways, yeah, it's really good. So it's it's a bank robbery film. Essentially, Denzel is the negotiator or the the guy that police call like the interrogator. Yeah, he's yeah. a detective, I think, but more oh. more of a anyways. There's a bank robbery. He gets called in to sort of negotiate with the bank robber, and the movie's really good because it's just it's not your it's not your typical bank robbery hold up hostage movie. There's a lot of twists and like. I really like the I don't know I really like the screenplay in it. I'm not gonna spoil the endings. I think it's pretty cool, but yeah, Denzel is, is awesome in it. Um, When's he not really? Yeah, the movie's just in my opinion, the movie feels really well paced. Like it just kind of it's probably like a two hour movie, but it just flows along really well and never really makes you makes you bored. Um, yeah, it's it's one that I never heard people really talk about. You know, so I think it's I know. One that, I think Denzel does so many good movies right. that it just kind of is one of the, another feather. But, in the uh, cap. It's definitely worth checking out. I'm not sure if it's on Netflix or anything, but mm-hmm. uh, what else we got next? We've got uh, oh, I mean, this is obviously a big one that I'm sure most people have heard of, if not already seen before. But uh, one of the biggest films of that year was uh, The Departed. I only know that song. <laughs> well, the song. What do you? That the drop Dr- Murphy's. Murphy's? Yeah, yeah, shipping up to Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I got for you. But no, uh, The Departed is. Um, you don't know this probably. Actually, most people might not know this, but The Departed, directed by Martin Scorsese, and probably one of his 
best films in the last 20 years for sure. Um, but it was actually like an American remake of a popular Japanese film of the same plot oh, called Infernal it? Affairs. Infernal, Infernal Affairs. Affairs yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, which I've, I've never seen, but apparently is amazing. But literally, this is like the exact one-to-one screenplay with a few minor tweaks. Huh. Like literally just a t- took a Japanese plot, put it in America. So change it to Boston with all right. the Boston accents. Boston. And, but I mean, the part is great because it's, it's for me, it's one of... Like, Scorsese always has great movies, but not always super accessible. Like stuff like Goodfellas, Casino... Um, like uh, even going back to like you know Taxi Driver and Raging Bull stuff like that, the older stuff like they're all very heavy films, a lot of like, dark subject material. Mm. Whereas this one's really like lighthearted. Like there's a lot of violence in this movie, so it's like it is a like a Boston mafia type movie, but a lot of like levity and humor in the film as well. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it's packed with great actors. Like, you got DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio, you got Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Jack Nicholson, one of his best roles in my opinion. Um, like Martin Sheen, Mar- did I say Mark Wahlberg already? Sorry, I think I did. I think so. Okay, but anyways, um, yeah, like just so many good actors. And the thing, that, the thing that blows my mind about this movie is all those great actors I just mentioned. And this movie is it's amazing, like amazingly well acted by everybody. There was only one Oscar winner in that whole group, and it was Mark Wahlberg out of all oh, those really? actors. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, I think there's a reason why DiCaprio wasn't didn't win for the, for this one because he had to hold out for the. Well, he was nominated for another movie later. that. No, well, DiCaprio was nominated for another movie that came out in 06 oh. that I'm going to talk about later. Okay. But, okay. Um, Jack Nicholson for sure should have been nominated. Like, he was amazing as the, as the, I don't want to say villain, but the yeah. mob boss. So. <laughs> I was going to ask if that was his last major role. Uh, in terms of like a big, like a high profile movie. Yeah, yeah it was. Okay. He did a few smaller films after that, but no, that was definitely his last like big, right. I'm Jack Nicholson. I'm going right. to carry this film type thing. Right. But it's a movie that I can always rewatch. It's just so yeah, fun to and watch. And I hear the song. And, yeah. <laughs> I know um, what movie he's watching now. Yeah. It's, it's a great film. Um, I'm sure most people have seen or at least heard of it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, next we have um oh, another good one, The Prestige. I assume it's on this list because it's good, anyways. You don't have to say it. Right, you're right. <laughs> I don't know why I'm prefacing that by saying it's good. It's obviously good. It's okay. Fine, it's great. How about this? In my opinion, it's Nolan's third best film. Um, I'm not gonna rank them for you. You just have to guess. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but it's the um, third best, prestige. I think. And I would put I would put it above all the Batman films. As much as I like prestige. those films. Prestige is my number two. Okay, of his, yeah, for sure. Now, as you probably know i think i've told you this before but it's not an original screenplay it is based on a novel it's an adapted yes. screenplay from a novel in the 90s i believe i yeah. said before that i would like to read this novel. yeah me too <laughs> uh, apparently it's very true very faithful to the novel they don't take the, him and his brother who wrote the screenplay don't make yeah. a lot of changes okay. um but yeah it's pretty there's some minor changes in how like they dealt with like the whole edison tesla subplot in the book oh, is different yeah. from the movie a bit but the, the stuff between like angier and board and the human yeah. so for those that don't know what i'm talking about the prestige it's a movie, yeah. Oh my gosh, I was gonna say. Of course, it came out in 06. I'm 06 movies here. <laughs> uh, it's a movie set in like I don't know the 1800s. I don't remember the exact time period. Me neither. I think it's 1800s, but um, in Europe somewhere. I don't think they specify again if it's like no, England or something, but I believe it's in Europe somewhere. And because um, I'm pretty sure one of them has to go to America to do something. So. Well, I think in the movie, Hugh Jackman's character is an American, but obviously Christian Bale's right. character is a is a, a Brit. Yeah. So, but you basically, have these two magicians competing magicians who are like sort of like they're not friends but they're not really enemies at the end of the film well yeah they're they're rivals like they're just rival magicians but the movie early on takes a really quick a really dark turn which i'm not going to spoil and then the rest of the movie is about them trying to one-up each other in more deceiving and violent ways yeah (laughs) and it's got one of the best endings ever in my opinion great twist ending Mm -hmm. um it's also one of my favorite i don't know if it's saying but you know he's been a lot of films off the top of my head i'm trying to think of but it's one of my favorite uh, Michael Caine performances as well. Mm. I think Michael Caine is so good in the film as playing. He's the guy who kind of plays, like he's Hugh Jackman's like friend in the movie basically because he helps him 
come up with these new tricks and illusions mm-hmm. and stuff. But then when he sees that Hugh Jackman's going down this darker and darker hole to try and what up the Christian Bale character, Michael Caine's allegiance kind of flips a little bit and he sort of like tries, not tries to help Christian Bale's character, but he just plays a role between the two men that I find very interesting. Yep. And, uh, and his voiceover is great. He's got, he's got, the, he's got the best narration voice, in my opinion, next to like Morgan Freeman. Michael oh, 100%. I wasn't like, I can't narrate anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and again, but again, I feel like it's a film that most people have probably heard of, but couldn't tell me too much about, I don't remember much about. If so. you've heard this podcast, you've heard it mentioned five yeah, million times. Yeah, but so. when people talk about Christopher Nolan, they're talking about the Batman films mm-hmm. or Inception or mm-hmm. Tenet recently, or even like, you know, stuff like Dunkirk and um, mm-hmm. and Interstellar or stuff like that. No one really talks about the prestige ever, but I think it's no. definitely, it, it gained a lot of appreciation over the last decade as more people were aware of it. And yeah, it's like last, it's last time he did sort of like a low budget film, you know what I mean? Oh, Nolan, yes. Even though those are big actors. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was definitely low budget. For him, yeah. Um oh next on the list we got another uh low budget film here. I was gonna say good film, but we know it's a good film. <laughs> uh The Fountain. Oh yes. Definitely an underappreciated another Hugh Jackman film, man. Another Hugh Jackman, yeah, he had a good year in 06, yeah. eh? Um and other and, and you know, depressingly enough, no Oscar recognition for either of these films for Hugh Jackman. I think mm-hmm. I thought it was great in both of them. If I was gonna give it to one over the other, I'd say he had a better performance in the fountain. Not to put anything against the prestige, but the prestige was he had a very like I say, one note performance, but his arc was very much Yeah, predictable like it was going in the prestige. Direction. Right. Whereas Fountain's kind of all over the place. He has yeah. to play different roles and like I'm not gonna spoil because the plot for the fountain, the fountain is a movie directed by Darren Aronofsky, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, like Requiem for a Dream, Black Swan. Mm, no. Yeah. It does really tell dark, trippy goes. films, yeah. <laughs> so this one's definitely like a I'm not gonna even I'm not gonna call it I'm not gonna call it a time traveling film. It's more about it's about Hugh Jackman's character. This isn't much of a spoiler. It happens early on in the film. But Hugh Jackman's character, or, sorry, his wife dies from cancer. Mm-hmm. And the second half of the film is sort of about him trying to deal with her death. And it deals, it, basically, she was writing a novel before she died. She didn't get to finish it, though. And he's been reading the novel as she's been, like, in the hospital and trying to get through the cancer and stuff. And as he reads the novel, he pictures himself in this fantasy scenario. It's in, like, you know, back in, like, the 16, 1700s, whatever. Actually, probably even way earlier than that. So I'm thinking about, like, older, like, yeah, let's say a thousand years ago or something like that. But anyways, the movie takes place. Uh, so in his head, there's these, these crazy, like, fantasy sequences that he's picturing himself and his wife in. And then when she dies, everything kind of flips and he has these sequence, fantasy sequences still, but now it's about him trying to like save her soul or something or save her spirit because he always pictures her going to heaven. And then when he dies, she dies, he can't deal with it. And, you know, he goes through all the depression and grief or whatever. But I don't know. It's a very, I mean, first off, beautifully shot. Like cinematography and this visual effects are amazing for a low budget film. The music is fantastic. Um, it's definitely a movie you have to watch twice though. Cause the first yeah. time you're not really getting where the plot is going here, and the second time you watch it, you definitely appreciate it a lot more, in my opinion. I remember the first time I watched it. Like this was like when we just started dating, and you're like, yeah. you have to appreciate this movie. And I watched it once, and that's the only time I've watched it. And I'm still like, I'm I'm sure this was good. So I'll believe you yeah. and keep dating you. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't break up with me because I taste the movies. That's nice. Yeah. Oh boy! Before I go uh, down to my list some more, do you want to throw a couple of your mentions in here that I don't have? My I list? only have two, All right. and they're not as epic as yours. <laughs> um, my first one, we've talked about this movie before, but um, once, hmm. um, definitely was a heavy hitter that year for me. Yeah, I think I sort of just watched it on a recommendation. I didn't really know anything about it. Same. I mean, it's definitely a, if we're talking low budget, this is like an indie film, yeah, essentially. For sure. um, but yeah, it's just about, movies basically just about two people for the most part. Yeah. A couple who, um, not really a couple. Well, friends who, yeah. Have, let's say, a mutual love of music. Yeah. So, yeah. And they've kind of come together and yeah. make great songs. And that's 
like the movie mm-hmm. that is a great film though it's yeah. just like nice watching their like i don't know month-long journey together mm-hmm. of friendship so that was a great one just to yep. just a great indie film in general and your other one <sighs> the da vinci code <laughs> why i love that it's such a guilty pleasure okay movie. watching it watching it yeah. for the because again i didn't read the book till afterwards i really got into the dan brown books after i saw the movie but oh really i will say this i i i have if we ever going to do a podcast about a, a director i find very oh um okay. Very hit or miss for me mm-hmm. is Ron Howard. Oh, I think he's hit or miss for a lot of people. <laughs> he's done some great films. He's done some really bad films, mm-hmm. and he's ruined some films that I've. <laughs> we don't talk liked. about the prequel sequel. <laughs> but Da Vinci Code, yeah. When I first watched it in theaters at the time, I thought, okay, it's an entertaining movie. I liked mm-hmm. where this like BS mystery mm-hmm. plot. T- there's so many twists and like mm-hmm. random things, like obvious, obviously ridiculous connections they were mm-hmm. trying to make with like stuff that happened back with Jesus and even before Jesus times, but. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't think of the word, <laughs> um, but yeah. And then reading the book, the book was ten times better. And, oh, for and sure. And obviously, for for time reasons, they couldn't include everything in the book. But some of the stuff they omitted or changed, that really annoyed me about oh, the movie. Oh, for sure. Um, but they made it comprehensible for people that are never going to. Surprisingly, read the book. it. I don't know if you know this or not, but the movie was a huge box office hit. Yeah. But critically, it was hated. I'm like, a lot of people hated the movie. I'm not surprised. Crit- I'm pretty sure on Rotten Tomatoes, it was like in the 30s. That don't matter. Yeah. I mean, Tom Hanks was good in the role. I do like, I liked him in the movie roles because whenever, now whenever I read the books, I always pictured him as, because they did, if you read the books, the character as described in the book does fit Tom Hanks pretty well. Robert like the way Langdon. he looks and the way he would it? behave. Robert. Yeah. Robert Langdon. Yeah, for sure. It was good casting on that yeah. part. Most of, most of the casting in the movie was actually pretty good. Um, at least if, we're not talking about Angels and Demons right now because that's a whole other mess. But yeah. the Vinci Code, the, the casting was good. Like you had Ian McKellen in there. <gasps> I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. You had. Um, oh, he played such a good role too. Uh, I forget the girl. You don't know the girl, but she's a French actress. You wouldn't know her. Audrey Tautou, I think her name is. Mm. She I thought was, she's getting bigger now. No. Okay. No. I mean, she's big in France. Okay. She, does a lot, she doesn't do a lot of English speaking roles, I don't think. But yeah, she was really good in the role too. But and there's a third one in that one, right? Lost. Did they do Lost Symbol? Is that the or no? They skipped that? that one. They did Inferno. Okay. Which was also terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so a terrible movie. Well, I good, say. good thing I picked 2006. Did <sighs> <laughs> All right. I'm glad I got you on a rant. Okay. <laughs> done with your list, right? So now Sorry, these it's not up to your standards. Now these other films are ones that I think are underappreciated, or in my opinion, most films that if I told them the people they did this, I don't know what that is, or I think I've heard of that, but mm. couldn't tell me anything about it. So my sort of like sleeper hits. Now this one here is the first one on this is obviously it was a high profile film and one that at the time was definitely very well known and well received. But nowadays I think if I mentioned to people they'd be like I don't remember or I don't what was that about like mm. so so this one on the list uh, came out actually really late in 06, so just before it was just in time for Oscar season uh, and it was uh, called Blood Diamond. Oh of course. So that Mr. was a, another Leo movie. Leonardo DiCaprio uh, movie about. Um, uh, South African takes place in South Africa, yeah. and uh, it's, yeah, it's about the, the movie. It, it sort of tries to blend in real world issues with what's obviously a made up story for entertainment purposes. Mm-hmm. But basically, DiCaprio's character is like a diamond smuggler going down to Africa trying to get blood diamond. Blood diamonds, like you know, the diamonds that the the I don't want to say slaves, but like the people down there who are miners i guess yeah like who have to dig up these diamonds called blood diamonds because obviously it's all kids and, and impoverished people that are mm-hmm. working for the and then obviously these diamonds just get sold to wealthy people all over the world for you know thousands of thousands of dollars you know so scarpers character is like a smuggler and he gets embroiled into this whole scheme where he 
he sort of like meets a farmer slash, I guess, slave, if you want to call it that, who escapes from one of these diamond camps. And he, he knows about this one huge blood diamond that'd be worth like, you know, a million, millions on the market. And so DiCaprio wants to like steal it and smuggle it out. Mm-hmm. So he kind of uses this guy as a ploy to try and he tells him he's going to rescue his son who's part of the internment. And then, uh, but the movie is, it's really entertaining. I directed by a guy who did like, he did Last Samurai uh edward zwick is his name led a lot of really good movies in the 90s too the siege um oh, is that what i'm thinking of i can't remember right now but he's a good director it's a, it's a really well-made film dicaprio was great in it he did get an oscar nom for this one okay didn't win but i would say yeah if i had to choose between this role or the, or the departed i would say he was a bit better in this one okay just because he had more he had a bigger role to work with mm. and the departed he had to share a lot of screen yes, time with, with other actors but in this one it was mostly his film to carry but yeah i, I just don't hear people talk about it that much i'm sure it's people true. have seen it or remember it a bit but it's not Something you just bring up out of the blue, right? Hey, no. remember Blood Diamond? Like, yeah, so, not for him. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. It's definitely a sleeper that I guarantee if I told 9 out of 10 people, they wouldn't know what the heck I'm talking oh, about. Oh, great. So this one's called Running Scared. Oh, I've uh, heard of it at least. It's, um, so the main actor in this film is uh, Paul Walker. Oh, the late Paul Walker. Yes, who for, for most people would know him from the Fast and the Furious yeah. franchise. Um, he passed away. God, I don't remember how many years ago it was now in that car accident. Yeah. But anyways, but he's really good in this film. Um as a playing a, a cop he's, a, he's an undercover cop essentially um you don't find that out until a bit later in the movie this isn't much of a spoiler if you find it, within the, find it within the first half hour probably but he was an undercover cop who uh was infiltrating these like mafia families in i don't know if it was new york or somewhere on the east coast i can't remember but he infiltrates these two mafia families and it's, it's a typical pl- it starts out as a very typical plot You're like okay i've seen this type of movie before but it does go a different direction the thing i like about it is that once within the first 20 minutes or so once the act not the action once the 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 plot and the the, the whole uh, drive the whole movie is centered around one incident that happens and once it kicks off the movie is just nonstop for like the next hour and a half it's okay. just like and it, it, it does tackle some very dark material too I won't spoil but um, my favorite thing about it though is that the ending shootout slash confrontation between these two mafia families which which Walker's involved in it takes place on like a, a hockey rink which is a cool setting. So you have like, it's like obviously it's not, it's a closed hockey rink. It's not like with, you know, an NHL game going on or anything, but you have like this hockey rink that these two families have to shoot out at. And it's like, they, it's supposed to be like, they, 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 they set up the plot as saying like, it's like a minor league hockey arena. Mm -hmm. And like on Friday nights, they do this thing where they, they play with um, like black eyes, so like they'll they'll turn the lights off and the the puck will be like glow in the dark oh, type my, thing. So it's like bowling. Yeah, like a, like a glow in the dark bowling thing. Yeah. So you have this like shootout, which is really interesting because you have like yeah these guys like sliding all over the ice and shooting each other and mm-hmm. just and then there's, there's even hockey players there who are used to like interrogate the one guy like they're Whoa. just like shooting slap shots at the guy and it's <laughs> it's really amusing in a dark way. But I will say yeah, it's a very entertaining film. Um, that I really enjoy. I, I could watch it anytime again, like like most films. All right, next one on the list. Um, this movie definitely doesn't do anybody any favors by having a super generic title. Okay. Um, but it's called um, 16 Blocks. I don't know if I know this one. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, it's directed by Richard Donner, who did most well known for doing the Lethal Weapon movies. Okay. Um, and this is a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, for him, it's a pretty small budget, like a very basic plot of a movie. Um, it, start, it does start Bruce Willis. Again, this is back when Bruce Willis still cared about acting. Just Aww. for those that know, no, like he he doesn't care anymore. He's admitted as much. He does okay. paycheck movies now, but yeah, back in the mid two thousands, he was still doing movies retried. And this one's really good for him. I think he he's just playing. <laughs> you're gonna laugh when I tell you the first sentence of this um, synopsis here, but it's in my own words too. By the way, he plays a, a burnt out alcoholic New York. Yes, yeah, so you're already laughing at the alcoholic mentioned, but 
You know, I got a soft spot for them. I know. Plays a burn alcoholic uh, NYPD cop. And in this movie, he's, I don't know if he actually gained weight from the movie or he's wearing a fat suit, but he definitely was just like looking, and compared to like his diehard movies, even mm. his more recent ones, he was definitely looking a bit older and like lumpier in this one. Like he had, a, he had a gut and he walked with like, you know, he walked like a dude who's in his 50s who just didn't care anymore. You know what I mean? Okay. He sold the beginning of the movie really well. You know, your plot is, or you know, the, the character development's really good when he, he shows up at a, at a crime scene. Like he just, well, first off, so like these, the movie starts out with like, a really intense like raid of this apartment like a drug raid and these cops burst in and like arrest everybody and like knock these guys and then next thing you know they're you know they're like we need someone to sit on this unit like to cover for, until the crime the forensic guys get here mm. like who we got outside and then you see the camera shot is just like the top of this huge staircase like you're, you hear someone walking up the steps and you see bruce willis just like ambling up these steps with, like a newspaper under his arm and his coffee in his hand and in this, in this movie too bruce willis he's got like the the half bald hair thing going yep. on and he just the way he walks you just tell he doesn't care and as soon as he gets in his apartment they're like hey frank we need to sit here for like sorry his name might have been his name frank it's gonna kill me now. Whatever his name was, like you need to stay here for you know a little bit till the guy, other guys get here. And he's like, all right. So the first thing he does is like, there's always so again, you have all these like bodies. He's just like around this apartment. He's just like walking around through the kitchen, and he opens up all the cabinets and he finds a bottle of like liquor, oh. and he just goes to sit on the couch and he starts pouring liquor in his coffee cup. And I'm like, all right, this is what this movie's gonna be, eh? But it does quickly take a turn where he has to basically where the plot kicks off is he has to transport a prisoner. The reason why the movie's called Sixteen Blocks, he has to transport a prisoner from like a holding cell to the courthouse. 16 blocks away mm-hmm. for like an important trial. You find out later on that this prisoner who was just, he thought was some nobody, he's transporting a guy who's trying to testify against dirty cops. Oh. So obviously along the way, these two hitmen try and kill the guy. Bruce Willis stops to go buy some more alcohol, obviously, and he, <laughs> he leaves the guy in the car, which is obviously against protocol when you're transporting a prisoner, but they, they, the hitman try to kill the guy in the car, and Bruce Willis kills one of them, and then from that point on, like he shoots him from outside a liquor store, right. he sees the guy trying to kill him in the car, and then from that point on, they... Yeah, they escape to like a safe house thing. And then one of, um, now I'm pretty sure his name is Frank, but one of Bruce Willis's, we'll call him Frank, one of his, uh, one of his cop friends, his partner shows up to say, hey, we'll take the kid off your hands and take him to the courthouse for you. And then the kid recognizes one of them as the dirty cops. And from that point on, the whole plot just kicks. And then it's just a chase movie the whole way through. Because Bruce Willis is trying to like save this guy from these dirty cops, including his friend. And um, yeah, so it starts off as very predictable in terms of like a cop drama sort of thing, but it, it does take some good. Not twist, but the plot's very good, very straightforward, but I like the way it ends. Um, it's a very lean, it's probably only like an hour 40 or something. Um, just like, and it's, like I said, it's one of the last times Bruce Willis actually gave a crap. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I like that one. Again, no one ever, no one ever talks about that one. In my no, um, for sure. Next one, here's another one that you may have heard this title before because you probably were talking about it, but it's one that definitely uh, most people have never heard of. But I think it's very interesting is... Um, I just realized Bruce Wilson is in this movie too, but he has a very small role in this one. He's not the main focus. But this movie is called Lucky Number Slevin. Slevin? Slevin, yes. It's not you didn't hear that wrong. It's Slevin. Okay. Now that's that's a that's a pseudonym for something else. You'll find out later I in the movie. That so. that's what the character's name they're, they're telling you this character's name is Slevin, but it means something else. Okay. And I'm not gonna spoil it, because the tw- like some of the twists in this movie are amazing, in my opinion. And it's such an under I, I remember seeing this movie. Pretty sure I just saw it like on on you know a cable TV one day. I don't even think I rented it or anything, but like I just came across it. And I thought to myself, okay, so you got like some the movie was hyped up as saying you got Bruce Willis, Morgan Freeman, Ben Kingsley. The main actor actually is Josh Hartnett, who was actually pretty good back then. He doesn't do anything anymore really, but at the time he was a pretty decent actor, like no decently known actor. Okay. So 
uh, the movie is basically just about this guy, Slevin, who apparently owes money to these two mob bosses just for, like, gambling and other bets he just can't pay up. And the two mob bosses are played by Morgan Freeman and Ben Kingsley. They're on opposing sides. So obviously, Morgan Freeman is head of, like, an African-American crime family, and Ben Kingsley is the head of, like, a Jewish crime family. Okay. But these two families are at war because apparently one of their sons was killed in a gang dispute. And then, so that's why they're at war. But then you find out later on in the movie that that was all orchestrated as part of a bigger plot by the Slevin oh character. Oh my gosh, this is Yakuza 7. Seriously. <laughs> and I'm not going to spoil the twist, but the last half hour of this film is amazing. Once you start connecting the dots, because the movie does a good job of like, you don't really know what the character's motivations are for anything. And, so, and then once this huge twist happens, it ties everything together. You're like, this is actually amazing for a movie I've never heard of. They got like no... Like no uh, hype behind it, in right. my opinion. But and I hear people talking about this all the time. Is like it's a pretty good like cult hit of a film. But it's yeah. I don't I don't know if the director or screenwriter ever did anything else besides this that of note. But they hit it out of the park on this one. I think interesting. It's a really good film. And again, I don't know if it's available on like Amazon or Netflix or anything. But if you can find it somewhere, I'd give it I give it a watch. Okay, okay. It's spelled if you don't know Slevin is well. It's basically spelled as. No, I, no, sorry. It's not spelled as seven. I just realized. So it's S-L-E-V-I-N is oh, how okay. it's spelled. So um, last one on the list I'll mention really briefly because this is sort of a name title. Um, but it's one that definitely was underappreciated at the time. But I think it's gotten a bit better reputation over the years as people have appreciated it more. But in 06, they did a Miami Vice film, a reboot of this the popular TV series. Okay. And you had it was directed by Michael Mann, who... You love. You know him from Collateral. Collateral, exactly. He and Collateral are the two that always come to mind for me. But and this one too was so he actually was a producer or he was like the showrunner. He created the Miami Vice series back in the eighties, the TV series with like Don Johnson and Oh, okay. Yeah. So so he he wanted to do a film. I think it was actually almost twenty years to the day, oh six was twenty years to the day that the Miami Vice original series came out. So he wanted to make a film about it. And obviously you have different actors, you're not gonna the you know, the cops are in their like late late thirties yeah. or whatever and supposed to be in the role. So in this case he casted for those that don't know Miami Vice, you have the two cops, um oh my gosh, I can't remember the one guy's name right now. It's Sonny Sonny and Tubbs, I believe are their names. <laughs> Tubbs being the last name of one of the characters. Oh. I remember the first name it might be Rico or something, but um, played by Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx, who were pretty big names at the time in you know yeah, in the two thousands. For sure. Um, now the movie it captured a lot of the same style as a TV show from for the most part, from what I remember. Um, but yeah, it just the movie. I remember complaints about the movie when it even when I saw it in theaters the first time. I was like, I don't know. I, I left the theater thinking it was good. It ended really good the way most Michael Mann films do, but I thought back about the rest of the movie and I thought there was really only a few scenes that would stick out to me as being really entertaining. The rest of the plot was really just boring. And, and they, one of the things I still don't like about the film to this day is they try and develop this romantic subplot between um, Colin Farrell and this uh, um, Asian actress. Um, I don't remember the character's name or the or the actress's name, to be honest. But... Um, and they're trying to develop this relationship between her, and there's just no chemistry between oh, them. No. <laughs> and she speaks really poor English, which took me out of the movie a lot. Okay. Because I'm like, why give her so many speaking lines if she can't really speak English that well? And I don't think that's not her fault. It's yes. just, I don't get the whole, the whole, it really drags down the whole middle of the movie. But the beginning's strong, the ending's really strong. And I apparently, I actually, I don't even think I've watched it yet, but I do have the director's cut on Blu-ray. Oh, okay. I've heard the director's cut is way better than the original theatrical cut, which I saw. I don't think I've seen the director's cut yet, so okay. I do need to watch that. One thing Michael Mann does good with the other two movies I mentioned, Heat and Collateral, he's really good at doing like action shooting scenes. His mm-hmm. scenes are always very visceral. The gunshots are loud and yes, like really intense. And that's the same for this movie. But uh, yeah, I remember at the time people kind of hated it. I don't think it made, it probably made a little profit at the box office. It wasn't a huge probably hit. a name though. 
Yeah, just on the name. But over the years, I think the DVD and Blu-ray sales really brought it back up to prominence, and people talk about it a lot in a higher regard now than they used to. So, And that one might be on Netflix now that I think about it, if you want to check it out. But yeah, that's basically my list of the films from 06. I think there's a lot of good quality films on there. Uh, there's a whole bunch I didn't mention either that could be considered like honorable mentions, but I'm not going to get into that now. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll do 07 sometime. That would probably it'd take me like an hour probably to get through 07. That's some good films for yeah. that year. <laughs> All right. Uh, any final thoughts you want to wrap up with? Um, just email, I guess. If you want to email us your 2006 movies, mm-hmm. our email is when opposites react at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, what else have we been doing in the meantime? I still I still need to get on doing that, probably that, that HBO Max subscription with the VPN to get the... Um, you need your, oh, your new... Um, I want to watch that new Denzel new, movie. Yeah, Denzel movie. Yeah, yeah. the little things. Uh, I've been watching WandaVision on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah, I four kept episodes to so ask far. you your like, mid-season update. Uh, it's good. I really like where it's going. Um, it's finally starting to pick up a little bit of steam in terms of the first couple episodes were just like, okay, where is this going? Mm-hmm. But I had faith they would eventually come back with some answers, and they have. They've made it a little more intriguing now. Looking forward to watching the new one on Friday. I watched The Mask of Zorro the other day on I could 4K. Hear it. I got that for Christmas. <laughs> Love that movie. So good. You haven't watched Westworld in a while. It's true. I got to six episodes. I got six episodes in on the first season. I, did, I haven't watched them for a couple of weeks Must now. Must have been an MLB event that came out. Yeah, something distracted <laughs> me. Like, what else is new? But usually I should go back and finish that this month. Um, hope, hope you guys enjoy the enjoy listening tonight. Uh, back same time next week. Hope you stay safe out there. And uh, yeah, shoot us an email if you have any questions or any, even if you want to give us like a future topic for something that might be, mm. we're taking suggestions. Yeah, sure. <laughs> why not? You're the topic maker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, have a good one, guys. Talk to you later. Boys, bye.